Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah. Glad to be here again. I think this is the second time this year. <laughs> yes. Um, if you want a title for my subject today, is uh, I titled it Wilderness to Rest. From Wilderness to Rest. <clears throat> um, when we look around today, in the news and in the media and so on, with the Middle East situation and all that, we can clearly see that we are living closer, uh, you know, getting closer to the end times than ever before. However, what, what are we to do we, when we look at the situation of the church, the world, the politics and all that? What, as believers, what are we supposed to do? When we look back at the uh, first coming of Jesus, we can learn a lot about the second coming. So if you want to know what the second coming is going to be like, then go back and and read about the first coming. Before Jesus came on the scene, there was someone else preparing the way. Preparing the way preparing the people to receive Jesus. And that was John the Baptist. So today, we also need to prepare and not be like the foolish virgins without oil in the lamp. Okay? They had oil in the lamp, but it ran out. When they most needed, it went out. Some people think they, they never had any oil. They had, you know, there was oil in the lamp. The wise virgins took extra oil to help them through that difficult period, that dark period. Yeah. So we need to be like the wise virgins. We need extra oil. <clears throat> so let's look at John. Where was John? John the Baptist, where was he? He was in the wilderness. And one thing I, I noticed reading that, John... He came to prepare the way, but he never went to Jerusalem. In fact, people came from all over Israel to the wilderness to meet him. You know, especially those who were hungry. Okay? They were tired of their sinful life. They wanted rest. And where did they go? They went to the wilderness, separate themselves, and went to the wilderness. So we read in the Bible that uh, tax collectors came to see John. Soldiers and and even religious leaders came because they were curious who John was. But people came and they were baptized. So when we look at the wilderness, uh, I think it's a powerful symbol in the Bible. Wilderness is a powerful symbol. On one hand, it's negative, okay, Uh, because it's a place of danger, scorpions and snakes, you know, place of death, barrenness, dry, and chaos. On the other side, the positive side of the wilderness is with God in the wilderness is an oasis of life. It's a safe place to be, a place of order. Now, I emphasize with God, 
with God, then all this can happen. But wilderness is also a place of transition. Okay? So when, G, uh, when God brought the people out of Egypt, he took them through the wilderness. And, you know, a bunch of slaves, two million of them, <laughs> okay, two million of, this, uh, of slaves, and he brought them through, through the desert, and he wanted to transform these people into a holy nation. But he couldn't take them straight into Canaan. He had to take them through the wilderness. I will come back to that later. Also, he took them through the wilderness to make the people a people of um, a holy nation, a nation of priests for God. Okay? But most importantly, he brought them into the wilderness so that they can start trusting God. Okay? When they were in, in Egypt, they were obedient to the slave masters, but they were trusting in their cleverness to survive yeah, as slaves. And most of us, when we come from the world to faith, and we are like that, that's how we start our faith. You know, I, I read, uh, when you read about um, Miriam, when she left Egypt and when she saw the uh, uh, Egyptians drowned, you know, wiped out. She sang and danced. You know, she was saved. But very shortly, she started complaining, you know, moaning. And that's how we start our walk. We start by faith, but then we live our Christian life by self-will, you know, in the flesh, trying, struggling, struggling. There's no freedom. There's no joy. We lose that. We are defeated by, 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 uh, by the flesh. In fact, the battleground, uh, wilderness is the battleground for flesh and the spirit. Okay? It's a battleground for the flesh and spirit. And God purposely took them to the, through the wilderness. Uh, let's look at Galatians, if you have Bible. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So, God brings people, sometimes he brings us into the wilderness. And we struggle. God shows those things which need surrendering crucifying. <clears throat> so he takes them to the wilderness. He takes us through wilderness. But like I said, it's, it, it can be a place of learning and renewing our mind the way we understand. It's like Noah's ark. Outside the ark was judgment. It's just death, water, flood everywhere. Right? 
But in the midst of death is Noah's ark, and there was life in it. Okay, there was order in it. There was harmony in it. God was in it. Yeah. So, wilderness is not a bad place for believers. Now, I, I like to uh, look at Joshua, Joshua uh, chapter 24, verses, uh, verse 31. Joshua is the one who takes the people into the promised land. Okay. And this is the last chapter in the book of Joshua and almost the last few lines. And this is what it says in Scripture. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had, key word, known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Okay, they knew, Lord, uh, knew, knew God. Joshua knew God in the wilderness. So people who came with Joshua, Joshua is the type of Jesus. He's the one who crossed the River Jordan and brought the people into the Promised Land. And, and under Joshua, everybody did what was right. But I like to compare that with Judges. The last chapter again in Judges, after a few generations, um, Judges 21 And the very last verse, 25. Judges 21, verse 25. This is after a few generations after Joshua. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No king. Under Joshua, there was a king. Now, Joshua's gone. People have gone back to the old ways. No king. Everybody did what was right. What happened? Joshua brought the people from the wilderness out into the promised land. Now, Scripture says that of all the people who left Egypt, those who were 20 and over died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. Only those who were born in the wilderness and those who were below 20, young ones, uh, made it to the promised land. So in other words, only those who learned the ways of God eh, and they didn't go back and try to follow the Egyptian way. Yeah? They forsake Egypt and only those can enter the promised land, enter God's rest. Those who were born, second born, second generation, entered the promised land. And Joshua brought them under his leadership. Now, many times we, you know, uh, we, we see the, uh, that people crossing the Red Sea as, as um, bap, you know, baptism. 
okay? Crossing the Red Sea, separating ourselves from, from the world, from Satan. Uh, but we don't spend much time about the River Jordan. There is another deep meaning there. In the first crossing, for the, uh, for the Israelites, it was a separation. The, the control of the Egyptians, the control of Pharaoh, ended when they crossed the Red Sea because the Pharaoh's soldiers came and army came and they were all drowned. So Pharaoh had no more power. Not a single Hebrew picked up a sword to fight the Egyptians. God did everything. Okay? And that is coming, um, coming into the government of God. So when, when we come to faith, we understand the gospel message, and when we repent and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then God promises in his word that, according to Romans 6, that our sin nature is crucified with Christ. Okay? Our sin nature is crucified with Christ. And sin has no power over us. However, Satan works through our flesh. Now, flesh and sin nature are not the same thing. They are different. Many times uh, we think they are the same thing. Okay? So, fallen nature ends when we accept Christ. However, the flesh, uh, let me define flesh. What is flesh? Flesh is self-will. Okay? Flesh is self-will. Self-confidence. Self-pleasure. This is flesh. So you see in the New Testament, often, uh, especially Paul, uh, and Jesus said as well, you must pick up your cross uh, daily and crucify the flesh. So what does that mean? The Red Sea represents God's work. Okay, God crucifies our sin nature with Christ. But when we grow through the river Jordan, we have to crucify the flesh. And that is our job. <laughs> with the help of God's word and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we crucify the flesh. Only then we can enter the promised land. Only then we can have rest with God. Okay? Most of us are in the wilderness, struggling. Okay? If I were to give you another uh, analogy, if you look from the time of uh, Egypt to the Red Sea as the outer court in the temple, outer court. You know the temple is made about three parts. The first part is outer court, and then comes the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And the outer court is where the altar is, and the, uh, uh, the leaven of water is. Okay? So when, they, when the Israelites left Egypt, they had to sacrifice the Passover lamb, apply the blood. That's the altar. Okay? And then they went through the Red Sea. That's the um, laven of water. That's the outer court. Now there are three types of Christians. A carnal Christian, a soulish Christian, and a spiritual Christian. We are on a journey. So, then comes the, uh, the holy place. 
that's more like the wilderness. Okay, that's where um, God taught His ways. You know, God gave His laws. God protected them, provided for them in the wilderness. And God wanted the people to trust Him. Just trust Him. And then, then they come. They come to another uh, river, River Jordan, and Joshua takes through, uh, uh, the people through the uh, Jordan River into the Promised Land. So you have the outer court, holy place, and the holy of holies. Between the holy place and the uh, most holy place is a thick curtain in the temple. Okay, now Jesus made the way possible for us to enter the Holy of Holies. The way he did it was by denying himself. All right, so if you remember his last prayer, and and sorry, not the last prayer, when he was praying in the garden, he said, Let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as thou will. Yeah, follow God's will. So he always lived his life denying himself. Denying himself. And that's the way to the Holy of Holies. The curtain split from top to bottom. You understand? So for us also, we have to follow him. So when Jesus came and, 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 and people were struggling and they went to see John and they got baptized, they, they were fed up of their they are alive. They were not free. And Jesus says to them in Matthew 11, Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and tired. All right, let's look at that, please. Matthew chapter 11. Let's, let's read from uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 onwards. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, <clears throat> Lord of heaven and the earth, that you, are, you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to the babes. So God had hidden this truth about himself and all that from the wise, from the educated, the informed, the philosophers. God has hidden from all these people but reveal to the, to the babes. Why, why did Jesus call his disciples babes? Because they were humble, simple, you know, and trusting like a baby. And God has revealed it to them. And so to know God, we need revelation. To know Jesus, we need revelation. Not head knowledge only. It starts with head knowledge, but we need a, a hunger, a thirst, a revelation. Verse 26, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does any, anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Again, the word reveal, revelation. Verse 28, now this is the, uh, the key uh, verse here. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Only Jesus can give that rest. Okay? Take my yoke. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. When Jesus says in verse 20, I will give you rest, that is very similar to in Exodus where God tells the Israelites, I will give you rest. And that's if you want, uh, maybe you can have a quick look at that in Exodus thirty-three fourteen. In Exodus uh, 33, verse 14, it says, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Okay, this is God talking to Moses. So it's very similar to that, what Jesus is saying. Uh, when, when God said in Exodus, they were in the wilderness. So these people are seeking out John. They were seeking Jesus. So Jesus says to the disciples, come to me. I will give you rest. And then he says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, many times this is preaching in an evangelical situation, environment. But in this case, Jesus is talking to believers. Okay? Come to me. All right? It's not talking about you come to Jesus and you have peace and, you know, you have no financial problems and all that. It will go away. You know, this is more internal, internal rest. Because you can have rest in, in a calamity. Okay? Everything going haywire, but you have inner peace. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Yeah? So come to me. Now, by the way, do you know what a yoke is? I asked this question in Derby last week, and a university graduate told me, yes, that's when you mix the, that's in the egg, you know, egg. <laughs> All right? University student, 25 years old, you know, he says... <laughs> It's in the egg, egg white and egg yolk. I said, no. <laughs> so if you don't know, I mean, I think in some um, developing countries, they still use yolk for cultivating uh, the fields. Uh, a yolk is a piece of wood which is uh, joined from, between two bulls or cows or buffaloes. So usually you have a junior, let's say oxen, and a jun- uh, sorry, senior and a junior all right. The senior will guide when he's yoked uh, the junior. You know, a young bull may run fast and get exhausted, <laughs> but an old senior bull knows how how to plow the field and takes his time. You know, so Jesus is saying, if you if you if you if you want rest, you got to yoke yourself to me. You understand? That means you have to deny yourself. Because you cannot be yoked to him and want to do your own thing. <laughs> it doesn't work. All right? So if you want to be yoked to him, that means you must be willing to crucify your flesh. <clears throat> Otherwise, you will wander in the wilderness, going around in circles. You understand? Okay? So we need, if you want rest, then you've got to yoke yourself to Christ. And then he says, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Again, uh, uh, sorry, verse 20, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Learn what? Learn what? He said, learn from me. Learn humility and gentleness. All right? Humility and gentleness. That's why he calls earlier babes. Babies are humble and gentle. All right? They're teachable. They're trusting. So Jesus said, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. Yoke yourself and you will find rest. Without Jesus, no rest. Without crucifying the flesh, again, no rest. All right? If the flesh is alive, then there is no faith. Very difficult to live a faithful life when your flesh is alive. Yeah. So, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, verse 30. Okay. The people were struggling to obey the Old Testament. Right? But they were trying to do it in their own strength. So, Jesus, so he, that's why people went to John. They wanted to start again. They went to the wilderness. They remembered Joshua brought the people out of the wilderness. So they went to the, st- the starting point. Yeah? So somehow, not somehow, in a way, we have to go back to the wilderness. We have to go back in a spiritual sense, back to the wilderness. You know? Joshua was the first one to enter the River Jordan. If you read Joshua, the ark represents Jesus. Yeah? The Ten Commandments, the, the tablets, represents God's Word. Jesus is the Word of God. Yeah? The manna, Jesus is the bread from heaven. The budding rod speaks resurrection. Aaron's budding rod was also in the ark. So this went into the river Jordan, and Joshua went into the river Jordan. So he's the type of Jesus, and then he leads Israel into the promised land. So as I was saying, there are three types of Christians. Carnal Christians live in the outer court. They want the best of both worlds. Okay, they want to be part of God's uh, family, but also they are very close to the gate, entrance. They can look out and see what's happening outside. And many times, their life is out of focus. And very easily, they can slip back into, go back into Egypt. Then is the... uh, people in the uh, holy place. The holy place represents the soul of a human being, (laughs) our souls. The soul is the seat of mind, emotion, and will. Mind, emotion, and will. And many times we worship God emotionally. Emotionally. So they, and, and people who are emotional, they prefer a charismatic type of church. And then others worship intellectually. They are more, you know, I don't want to call names, you know, <laughs> the other side, okay, more intellectual. You know? Only uh, uh, some are elect and, you know, the rest are, they see everything intellectually. And so today you see that people will go from conference to conference. Now I live in Japan at the moment and I, I meet a lot of Japanese people and that's what they do. They love to go from conference to conference. 
gathering more information. They think that will make me spiritual. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But they, 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 they desire to be spiritual, but they try to fill information and think that will make them... Their knowledge increases. They may have light on certain things. When they have light by going to conferences, they think they are spiritual. No. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians. Paul addresses these three types of Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter... We'll start from chapter 2. Um, Now, remember, the Corinthian church, they had, you know, they were full of the gifts, okay? So, I just want to point that out first before we start reading. Uh, uh, chapter 2, uh, let's start from verse 6. Sorry, uh, um, sorry. Uh, we, we, we go to, uh, from verse 14. Verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. <clears throat> but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, this word natural man... Uh, the translators couldn't find a good word from the Greek. You know, if you want to have an adjective to this, you can, in English, would be soulish, but that word doesn't exist in English language, but soulish, okay? Mind, emotion, and will. So he's saying the natural man does not receive the things of... A soulish man does not receive the spiritual things of God. Because they are foolishness. Because he sees them either in his intellect, with his intellect, or with his emotion. And God goes more deeper. It's a spiritual thing. So he won't understand. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So here we see in verse 14, God is addressing the soulish Christian. And then in chapter 3, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So Paul is saying in chapter 3 that he cannot talk to them as spiritual Christians because they are not there yet, but only as carnal Christians. So we think carnal means non-believers, but you can be a carnal Christian living in the outer court, okay? trying to have the best of the both worlds. Everything is relative to what's happening in the world. And then, then comes the spiritual Christians, but they don't, uh, sorry, uh, soulish Christians, but they don't understand the spiritual things. Yeah? To understand spiritual things, you must go into the next room, the Holy of Holies where you have the revelation of Jesus, revelation of God. 
You know, when you look, if you remember when when Jesus when Jesus died, gave up the, the spirit. What did the Roman soldier say? Truly, this is the Son of God. Did he go to any Bible lessons or Torah lessons? No, he didn't. Okay, he didn't, but he had a revelation. Okay, the thief on the cross. One thief rejected him, and the other one had a revelation. Okay? So when we are in the presence of God, in the Holy of Holies, like Isaiah, before that he was talking about other people, but when he was standing before God, it was about him. Uh, Woe unto me. (laughs) I live amongst the people of unclean lips. So an angel goes to the altar, picks up a coal, touches Isaiah, and Isaiah is cleansed. Isaiah is cleansed. So here, um, you you know, there can be carnal Christians. Now remember, carnal Christians also can have the gifts, because this is the church in Corinth. They had all the gifts, but they were acting carnally, not as mature Christians. Therefore, we cannot follow someone because they exercise the gifts. Okay? It's important. All right, let me repeat chapter 3, verse 1 again. And I, brethren, so he calls them brethren, okay? Brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where, for where there are envy, strife and, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving, behaving like mere men? So these, these people had the gifts, but they were behaving like carnal people. So, you know, so we, when we look at the whole journey of the, of the uh, Israelites, they're coming out of Egypt. Egypt is like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they're heading towards the tree of life. Okay? That's the promised land. Land of milk and honey. But in between these two places is the wilderness. And you can see in in the Old Testament especially, you know, uh, people keep going to the wilderness and coming out. Spending time with God. Come back. So that's why John was in the wilderness. I can talk more about this, but I don't think I have too much time on this. But um, the key is, uh, before I say that, let's look at Deuteronomy 6.23, please. Six verse twenty-three. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. Okay? The thing is, it's not to just bring them out of Egypt, but he's got to bring them in. This same applies to us. It's not just saving us, all right? But he's got to bring us into his rest. That's why Jesus is called the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Today we fight whether the Sabbath is Saturday or Sunday. That hasn't changed, okay? But if you really understand it, it's about entering the Sabbath rest, entering, living in the Holy of Holies. It's not about going into the Holies and coming out, okay? I mean, that's how I understood as a young believer. Oh, the high priest used to went, went into the Holy of Holies, and today we can go in and call Abba. So, <laughs> you know, I thought we, you know, we have the, um, what's the word, um, the right to call God Father. But it's more than that. It's to live there, live in the Holy of Holies, not coming back out, you know, to the outer court, but living there. Yeah? So in our, our journey, in our Christian journey, is coming out from the world. Yes, we all started with that, with the uh, repentance and water baptism and all that. In the wilderness, we learn more about God's truth, God's ways, God's principles, how God supports, how God protects, how he provides. And we learn ultimately to trust, you know, trust God. I mean, if, if for example, today, if God, you know, if you heard you lost all your savings, you lost your home, and you are like Job, will we still have the rest? It's something to think about, you know. Because I was like the other person, you know, relying in my, my strength, you know, my knowledge, my cleverness, you know, my bank account and all that. But ultimately, God challenged me. If I take all those away, remove all that, will you still trust me? Will you have the rest? Or will I be struggling, you know, pulling my hair out, you know, to tr- trying to save myself? Yeah. So, it's important. When we are in God's rest, that's why Jesus showed the way. He said, come. But he also says in uh, John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. Sorry, 23. I'm sorry, I'm just looking. 1633, sorry. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How did he overcome the world? How? By denying himself. Remember when he started his ministry, Satan tried to get him to act in his will. Turn the stone into bread. He was literally telling him to feed his flesh. Turn the stone into bed. Since you are God, you can do it. And he denied it. No. Yeah. So this is, this is how he overcame the world, the temptations and all that, by denying, denying himself. So Jesus says, now, I've overcome the world. Now follow me. Yoke yourself to me. Then you will find rest. As believers, we are looking for rest. You know, people think like, oh, I'll go to this church. Or actually, it's not quite my liking. Then go to another church, and then another church, and another church. They're wandering in the desert. They've never learned to settle down and find peace, find rest in God. Yeah. Actually, they fail to realize in the church, people are just like them. They are also wandering <laughs> internally, right? And you're one amongst them. They're looking for a perfect church. You know, if, you want, if you're looking for a perfect church, then go into the Holy of Holies. And that, that way, 
you know, it's like the curtain split, the veil splits in two. The river Jordan is the veil. Before you can go into the promised land, you got to die. There's another baptism. What uh, uh, baptism at the Red Sea and another baptism at the River Jordan, where you, with the help of God and the Spirit, crucify to self-will, self-life. Then you enter totally obedient to God and stay in His presence. That's why the people uh, with Joshua obeyed, lived a right life because they, they understood God's ways. But the generations who came after Joshua had no king. Okay? They were the king. <laughs> their will. They did their will. Yeah? They were sitting on the throne. There's only room for one on the throne. Jesus or you. <laughs> or Jesus or me. Yeah? We cannot sit side by side. <laughs> only room for one. I think I'll close here. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, I close with a prayer. Yeah. There's a lot there to chew about. I think. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day, this beautiful day. Thank you for your Son who came and denied Himself to do Your will. Father, draw us closer to You, Father, into the Holy of Holies, that our lives also, Father, will reflect the nature of Your Son and bring glory to You, to Your name. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.